Hello, everyone, and welcome to Griplock Foundation Disc Golf Weekly Podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor and Connor. Today's episode is brought to you by True Classics. You can get 25% off at True Classic with promo code Griplock at TrueClassicTees.com. We got quite the episode today. We're doing it on Tuesday because we went to Charlotte, filmed some content yesterday, and um, we're just down there way longer than we intended. And we figured we didn't want to rush this episode, so we would just take care of it today. So you can get the USDGC recap that you deserve and that we want to do. We'll do some little Trevor's trivia. And then we obviously have got to talk about this PDGA survey that went out. And um, then, yeah, well, the Pro Tour Championship happening this week. So tomorrow, Wednesday, will be our preview episode yes. for the Pro Tour Championship. The last preview episode of the year. The offseason is upon us. But let's jump into this. Um, USDGC and Throw Pink Women's, we combined them. USDGC uh, went down this past weekend. Um, indeed on FPO we had Katrina Allen taking it down by three over Kristen Tatar Kristen Tatar did was able to finish though her podium perfect season she didn't have a finish Mm. off the podium except for I think she dropped out of one event but like pro tour slash majors that she played in she did not finish off the podium because the only thing was this teeny open and she DNF'd that was when she got injured so that was it everything else was first second or third for the entire season yep um, very impressive. And we noticed on when I was filming debate night, she's already broke the FPO single season cash record without playing the tour championship. Now? Yeah, she's at 68,000. Oh, wow. And she missed two majors. That's crazy. That's just how, A, that's how much the purses have increased. B, that's how good she played. Yeah. And if she wins the pro tour championship, she, the last year's record was set by Missy Gannon at 67,000. She broke it last year after winning the tour championship. She'll hit six figures. She could hit a hundred thousand. If she wins 35 grand, she'd have 103,000 in cash this year. That's a good, that's good stuff right there. Yeah. So Kristen Tatar, absolutely incredible season. Um, obviously we're not doing our player, our, uh, what did we call them last year? Our Grip Locked Awards? Did we just call it Grip Locked Awards? Did we end up doing Grip Locked Awards last year? Yeah. I don't feel like we, definitely we did. did. I don't remember. Did we? We 100%. talked about it, but I don't... We did like predictions, but I don't know if we did our own awards last year. We have to look back. We definitely did because we gave it to Paige when the oh. PDJ gave it to Kat and we were like, that's uh, ridiculous. And then that's right. You're they right. eventually did co-player yep. of the year. Yep. Uh, so we're going to call them the Grippies. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, the weekend at the next, the week after the Pro Tour Championship will be the Grippies episode. I love that. Yeah. Players are gonna get their Grippies. Um, fascinating. Uh, Kristen Tatar, <laughs> Isn't though, that has what they used to call up. the uh, things that went on your pencil to like help with the grip? Yeah. Didn't grippies? people call them Grippies? I just called pencil grips. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. We'll hand out pencil grips. Those things were hype. Uh, but Kristen, anyways, grip. has locked down player of the year. I mean, there's no no ifs, ands, or buts, who's or what's. We'll talk about who's MPO. There's some arguments that can be made. And there's obviously Is all there? the other. Yeah, there's some that can be made. They can be made. I never said they'd be heard or <laughs> yeah, valid, but they yeah. can be made. <laughs> FPO, there's not an argument. Like, if you don't think Kristen's player of the year, you're wrong. I would say that it's a pretty similar situation with MPO. No, if no. You, if you don't think Ricky is player of the year, you are wrong. I would agree, but we'll 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 say so that. So you said we'll say no, that but the then episode. you just said you agree. Well, but like, there's more of an argument. Like, what's the argument in FPO? No, I agree. You can't make I agree, one. but I'm just in saying. In you, you can at you least say, make. If well, you say it's not Ricky, you are wrong, and it's there's no statistic to prove otherwise. No, I'm just saying it depends on how much. In like MPO, you can at least be like, well, you can weigh a major, blah blah blah. In FPO, like, yeah, you, there's not. There's I guess if argument. you count majors as like three wins. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In FPO, there's not even a like the second is so far behind Kristen that like. They can't even read the latitude sixty five. Well, how what is it? Well, how far how far away is Paige from Kristen? Let's talk about it. Two miles, but we're gonna talk about it in the grippies. Okay, episode. I'm just saying because I feel like episode. I feel like it's closer than you're making seem. 
No. Like wins. wins. I refuse. Wins and majors. No, because Paige, Paige, okay, you're gonna make me do this. I, I'm honest. I'm honestly curious. I feel like I feel no, like because this is the difference. I'm just being this careful. Be, I feel like this should be next week. This episode. is definitely, but this or is what the, I'll read: 21st, 10th, 18th, 11th. Paige Pierce. That's it. That's that is not good. That's, that's a, good you, enough you just, for me. But you picked that's it. All I you need. picked it. You picked something. I want. I just want to know wins okay, plus majors. Okay. Let me majors. read Kristen's finish. Worst finish. Third. No, 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 no. no. Third, I want wins plus majors. Third. That's it. Wins plus majors is what I want to know. I'm literally just curious, just to make sure we don't go down a rabbit trail and it's like actually really close. There is no argument against. Kristen well, there Tatar. isn't. If you won't let me have the facts, you can try, but there's not an argument against Kristen. Tatar I don't for think there is either. I just wanted to double check ourselves. Well, that's not this episode, Trevor. I was just saying, man. Don't make me do this. <laughs> uh, FPO. We had Kristen Tatar coming second. Katrina Allen win. Hannah Blomers coming I'm third. I'm myself. Next week. Look it up next week. This I want a different I, episode. I want to know. You're on the wrong episode, man. I just want to know. Like, Come I'm back just curious. A week. Come back a week so we can talk about the tournament that just happened. I'm just curious. But now you're going to go on a talking No, point. I won't talk about it. Okay, don't talk about what you're saying. I'll just know for myself. All right. We're going to let Trevor look it up. I'm just curious. <laughs> no, you can. I'll keep, I will keep tagging in. I refuse to talk until you're a part of the show. I am a part of the show. I just want to I just want to know. Like, I don't think that's... I'm curious. That was in the PDGA survey. The real Trevor can come to the phone right now. Who you think wore it best? You definitely wore it best. Thanks, man. Don't tell Trevor. That means a lot to me. My pants are white. They are. They look good. I saw Ezra wore white pants yesterday. I just wear them. Dang. Yeah. I, the muscles didn't come with them. It was crazy. I think. <laughs> you got to eat a lot of beans. <laughs> All right. So let's oh, go through okay, cool. uh, Throw Pink Women's. Katrina Allen takes it down. Kristen Tatar in second. Henna Blomroos came in third. Um, all I'm going to say is don't be surprised if Paige gets player of the year. That's all. And and it probably shouldn't, but I'm just saying don't be shocked. I mean, we just talked about how now we got to talk about it. No, we don't. We don't. We'll save it. Well, that's just a teaser. That's just a teaser. Just a little teaser. Just a no. teaser. Here's the stat. No, nope. teaser. No, I'm talking about it now. We did it. We've done it. Here's the fact. PDGA will give their player of the year to someone, and nine times out of ten, it will be wrong. Just like yeah, when they no, gave it to Chris, I, Katrina no, Allen I think, last year. I think Kristen should get it. I'm just saying don't be shocked if they give it well, to Paige based Kristen on what I didn't saw. play two majors. That's the whole thing. I agree. That's Listen, Trevor's I think, not saying she should I get it. I think Kristen, Kristen should get it. Don't be shocked if she doesn't. I won't be, <laughs> okay. by any means, because okay. I don't trust... The PDGA all Player saying, of the Year is a fake award. All I'm saying. Is all I'm saying. I agree. All I'm, say, all I'm saying I'm is... I'm talking about the Grippies. Yes, the Grippies, no, there's not an argument. Kristen Tatar right. is the best player in the world. Kristen She's the Player will, of the Year. Kristen will most likely get the Grippies. I'm only saying most likely. Most likely. I'm only saying, saying I'm only, most no, likely? I'm only saying most likely, so we don't, we don't give give it out right on this show. Kristen Tatar owns the Grippy. It is hers. She. No one else touches it. Guys, the Hunter MPO, is very defensive about Kristen Tatar. Yes, because she had the, one of the greatest FPO seasons in the history. In the history. Of the world. Because the only other person, the, the last person to do it was Katrina Allen in 2015 against a much, much, much worse field. Cat had that good of a season in 2015? In 2015, yeah. She, I don't think she in 2015. And Kristen just did it against probably twice the field the cat did. We'll see you yeah. guys at the Grippies. Yeah. Well, I now I got to look up Katrina Allen in 2015. Oh, my God. Yeah, see? Wow. Top three. I, I want to talk about that was 2015. I do, too, Connor. You I weren't do even too. there, bro. Dude. Dude, now that's uncalled that's for. That's childish and gross. We are, we are like five minutes into this episode, and you've already offended every single listener. <laughs> every one of them. They're all offended. You should have yeah, heard what he said before. Every one of They're offended. Why? They're all Connor fans, and they're all Kristen fans, and you've ticked every one of them off. And I, I'm sorry. Hey, guys, I apologize. 
for Trevor. Katrina Allen takes it down. Chris Natar <laughs> second. Hannah Blomroos third. Chris Katrina made it more of an event than it should have been. At, like going into round three, it was kind of like done, and then she lost seven strokes to Chris Natar, and it made you go, "Well, yeah. she could lose because she was up six going to the final round." And you're like, "She just lost seven. She does it again. She loses by one, but she only lost three. Chris There's obviously different mistakes that happen. So bad, yeah." Kristen's, Kristen lost the tournament for herself in the first round. She did. Mm-hmm. But she was able to battle back in. Paige Pierce, she's got to look in the mirror this offseason, I think, and figure some stuff out. Because obviously, yes, she had a great season. She won, what, probably two majors, Champions two, Cup? Two majors and, and, European and I think Open. five total wins. Yeah, like she, she had a very good season. But for Paige, she had some very awful finishes. She came 21st at a major. She came 10th. At a Pro Tour event, 18th at a playoff well, Pro Tour event, the, 11th at this A tier that feels like a major. The end of her season is the key there. I mean, she really went on a drought towards the end there. Yeah, she won European Open, then went 4th, 3rd, 5th, 2nd, 2nd, 5th, 18th, 3rd, and 11th at the real USWDGC. One European Open with no Kristen. Yeah, one year. Well, yeah, because also um, US Women's, there is no Kristen, and she came 21st. So she should have come 22nd. Um, but yeah so Paige like yes did she have a great season yes so confused but nowhere near the season she should have had and a lot of it I think is forehand there's also that weird part and you know a few weeks ago where she just decided she doesn't want to win anymore which is like super easy to say when you like are losing I don't she's confusing she's but then the next week her season is literally parallel to Simon's this year a lot of it where like they they're either winning and like sometimes like looking dominant and or they're just like getting crushed. Like what I don't understand. Like yeah, because Paige was like she was in the mix until round three. She shot a seventy six round three. She I, went 66, 66, 76. I totally understand that golf is like a game where you're gonna have hot and cold streaks, but typically it's like when your game heats up, like you kind of stay up there for a few weeks, and like it's kind of like Simon and Paige well, will win and then drop off the earth. Well, for let's a few just weeks. call it like it is. In FPO, there is no reason for Paige Pierce to finish outside the top Ten. seven. I'll say, I'd be I'd be generous. We'll go 10. 10. 10 is but generous. there is no there is yeah there's no, no reason for a player of Paige Pierce's skill level in this field to finish outside the top ten. You it's are very right. Period. And she did it multiple times this year because Kristen had some off weekends and yeah. her worst finish was third. It's true. And Kristen, skill wise, if you take what Kristen's capable of and what Paige is capable of. They're both well, capable of basically very similar things. It's really easy. So wa- watching them in person pretty much confirmed what I had seen on coverage all year, which is it's very easy to see why Kristen succeeds in FPL, and it's because she plays essentially Sexton golf. Yeah. She plays the safest, like literally never throws aggressive shots, chips it inbounds everywhere, and just waits for everybody else to make mistakes, and she can putt well. Because mm-hmm. like, like there are other players like Sarah Hokum who take similar approaches, not as good, not as good. Keep in mind, it doesn't even have a backhand really, um, but she can't putt. Like Kristen is accurate, doesn't throw far. Like I really was not impressed with her distance at all compared to like I was watching Henna and was throwing much further um, on that card. Even Cat I think was getting more distance. Um, doesn't really throw very far, but has smooth form, very accurate. Um, and, and she makes putts. So, like, it's that is literally how Kristen is winning on FPO tour is just waiting for other people to mess up. Because right now, the FPO field um, isn't deep enough to where, like, an MPO, if you played that way, 
you're going to get beat by somebody who's just having an explosion of a weekend. Like, yeah. you're going to get beat on most, on almost every time. And, and at least like over four rounds, you can't play that way. FPO right now, if you play that way, like Kristen has this year, that's what your result is going to be. You're going to win a lot of events and then you're, you're going to always going to be in contention. Right. And then you're going to have some events like this where you're just making mistakes in your game plan and it's not going to work out, but like you're still going to finish right there on the doorstep. So that, that is what I've learned from FPO, especially seeing it in person is like, it's very clear to see what Kristen's strategy is. Um, I did see her throw pretty much the worst forehand of all time when she was climbing back into the tournament on hole 12 and all she had to do was chip it up like 150 feet and she like turfed it out of bounds. Um, so that made me kind of sad, but I mean, yeah, cat executed. I'll, I'll hand it to cat because like, yeah, she was kind of, you know, choking it away a little bit. And I thought for sure, I was like, you know, as soon as Kristen fired off that first bad round, I was like, yeah, but let's not, let's you not, can't count let's not overreact here. And sure enough, she climbed back into it and I kind of thought Katrina might crumble um, but you know, she has the major champion pedigree there. You know, she's, she's been there, done that. So I believe she's a U.S. champ as well. I believe so. Yes, yeah. Um, so, you know, she was able to hold her off, made some important putts that I saw down the stretch to like, um, hold Kristen off and, and executed enough. You know, she knew what she had to do. She had the lead. So it's a darn shame that this wasn't a major. Yeah, it, it just is, doesn't. It is it so makes funny. No sense. It, every year, the gallery out there is like 500 deep. Like every year, people, it's crazy. Without fail, U.S. Women's comes. Players are vocal about how it's not ran well. Yeah, how it's not living up to the standard they see elsewhere. How the courses aren't whatever. Like this year was literally it was like a pitch and putt championship. This year, every year that happens, and then recently, every year they come to throw pink women's, and it is like the best ran event major feel major purse even like an eight tier paid a winner 10 grand Mm -hmm. like major gallery great fan experience it's very all of it and it's like swallow your pride pdga make this thing a major like let's they u.s women's exists it's right here you want to get rid of all the complaints and everything you hear easy you don't even have to run the event let me tell you there's a company u.s disc golf that's already running it for you yeah they already got it taken care of You'll be the hero, you PDGA. All you have to do is just give up a little bit of control, and you're the hero. And you're the hero. Or you can just, you know, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. It is. It's interesting. Batman. Well, it's it's interesting because, like, <laughs> I get that. I, I understand, like, I guess they have the angle of, like, they want to have a separate event for the women. But in the same breath, I don't believe the men have a separate event. Well, USDGC, women. technically. But it's still being played alongside the women. Not, it hasn't always. But, okay, yeah. okay. I'm just saying, like, That's I don't. The, the, the root of it made sense. I understand but that, like, but at the same time, like, at the same time, even though you had a separate event for the women, the gallery at USDGC for the women was way bigger. There's going to be more exposure. Be- yeah, like, it's still a huge event. People are showing up. Like, I, I mean, I wanted to get there to watch the FPO lead card tee off. I did. I drove super early in the morning. Like, you know, if, if I'm going into town to USDGC and the women are playing, I'm going to watch. Like, I want to see it. So, like, I, I don't. I don't really think there's an issue there. I think that event gets ton of attention. It's not like it's being, I don't really feel like it's being overshadowed. Like it, no. own, it owns the first half of the day, you know, the second half of the day is for the men. So I, yeah, I don't know. I, I get, yeah, the PDGA, they're stubborn. We know this. Well, I think part of it is like, because there is a, there is a separate thing that we talked about with USDGC, the flip side of the coin, where like the PDGA should own their own majors. Right. So like it is know. weird to yeah. manufacture owning it. I don't want but the PDGA this year, to own anything, man. But this year, like this year, there was Discraft there. People were vending Castaplast. Like, it wasn't just the end of a major. 
no. this year. Like it, it felt more like a normal. It's become major. more. It feels more like a U.S. disc golf major. Yeah. To where more. It felt like that way more than an end of a major. This yeah. Year. Like it didn't. It just didn't feel like an end of a major this year, which is what was the only problem with Innova running it was before like other companies couldn't get involved and make it as big mm-hmm. as it could be. This year we saw yeah. Discraft there. I'd we saw Castle Blast there. What like, all the dynamic is there with like the relationship with US Disc Golf and Innova and like what the whole plan is. I don't know. USDGC is like is a very complex event. There's a lot to it. Yeah. And when you're it is like I would be I would love to know like what kind of what the spend was, like average spend and total spend at that venue. But as far as the spectators and the vending was concerned, you would, I mean, I'll be darned if, I don't want to throw out a crazy number, but if there had to be, there had to be going through over four days, had to be probably 5,000 people that went through, would you say? Probably more. I think there's, I think there's close to 5,000 people on the ground Sunday, maybe more than that. I'll be darned if average spend wasn't close to $50 because, because of merchandise and food. Um, and that doesn't even count gate prices like to get in that right there is like that event is like what a revenue stream for a pro tour should, could and should look like at like every event. It'd be awesome if that's what, if events are run to a certain standard, this is what you can achieve basically. If they're run in the correct areas, right? We're getting the Charlotte crowd. Um, if they're run at the right venues and if they are promoted correctly and planned correctly, this is the potential because yeah, this is a major. So there's always a bit more draw, but if you, I'm telling you right now, if the, just throw out one, if the Waco charity open was that environment, you copy and pasted it, regardless of it being a major, it's still a pro tour. People would, people would go out in droves. Absolutely. Like I, I mean, it's it's the environment yeah. that makes it cool in the venue. So like that that's just a good picture of what how much more there there can be money in disc golf. Because think about the sponsorship activation opportunities there with so many eyeballs. I mean, just swarms of people out there. Well, you saw like even because Innova recently they've had this like championship village thing form, right? Yeah, and, it and then in that there's different activities for people to do. So like last year you saw the like my pocket radar or whatever. Like yeah. now there's even more opportunities for people to be like, hey, I can sponsor this event and I can show up to vend and at my vending tent I have this field behind it that I can do X, Y, or Z with my product. Yeah. And like there was a spectator course that was being played. There was a, a edge disc golf like putt like basically mini golf course. Yeah, it's insane. That was being played. There was you could test your speed on a speed radar gun. There was like a junior putting championship going on in the championship village. Yeah. Like you showed up there, and it was like it was like there was never a dull moment. Like if you got bored of watching disc golf, which I don't know how you would, I mean, but you, you could did, get lost in that vendors village for an hour and a half. You could no go problem. in there and easily, easily, yeah. and there was coverage being played there. Yeah. So it wasn't even like you're missing the tournament. You're there shopping, and, you, and something happened. You turn around and watch the screen, and you see whatever went right. down. And here's the kicker: this is this is also kind of a future model because the reason this is able to be like this is because you have the U.S. Disc Golf and Innova entities planning this all year. It's not reliant on the Pro Tour. Yeah. Because the Pro Tour right now, they have a big hand in making a lot of events all over the country happen. Um. You know, future model, you would want more help from committees. Um, you know, let's say, you know, the naming rights, you know, the presenting sponsors of events, you know, you'd want them, you know, helping put on or or like the, the difference between like golf and disc golf is a lot of times you have local clubs, but you don't have, you know, 
businesses behind golf courses and then committees you know, huge amounts of staff behind presenting sponsors that can help. Like you need, you need help from people that it's their one project all year long to put on an event, not just the pro tour who has to focus on a lot of events. If you want to have things like this, yeah, you can't, you can't just have the pro tour, the pro tour. They do not have the resources to be able to do this and plan this for every pro tour stop. So that's why this is kind of another future model look is because you have entities that this is their focus. And this is what can happen because while, yeah, it is a crazy logistical thing to put on, it's not impossible. No. Getting vendors, getting food trucks, setting things up, doing everything professional, having a really good volunteer staff, it's, in a year, very doable. You know, a lot of it just depends on having a, a venue that that works. Um, but, yeah, it's it's incredible. It's, it's different than everything else. No, absolutely. And, and some tournaments try it, but, like, it's... It's tough because, like, even I feel like Ledgestone has a pretty good, like, vendor village and stuff. But the tough part is it's an AM tournament and a pro tournament. So, it's not all at one spot. So, like, a lot of times their vendor village is, like, one night. It's at a different location. Mm -hmm. And, like, you have to go to it. Whereas what was so good about this was as the event was going on, everyone was there for one thing. And that was the USDGC slash Throping Women. We put them all together. USDGC, right? Everyone's there for that. FPO lead card finishes or maybe they go to a stretch of holes that you don't want to watch and you're going to catch them on 16 or whatever same for MPO like FPO finishes you have like an hour till MPO lead card tees off a lot of other courses that's downtime it's like do you want to go grab food do you want to just like sit by hole one and wait like right. we're twiddling our thumbs what do we do USDGC that wasn't the case there yeah. wasn't downtime unless like you wanted you just if you wanted to be bored sure but like there was enough for everyone to do and it was all there yeah. So like you showed up and like I brought my wife and my son, obviously after the weekend, it's going to be very easy for me to convince my wife to come back next year mm-hmm. because it's a super easy co- course to walk. You c- yeah. can watch like four holes at a time without Gosh. really moving if you want. Yeah. It, you can go into the championship village, get food, sit down, take the load off. You can shop if you want, like Winthrop. very easy convincing to get a non disc golf fan to love disc golf showing up mm-hmm. at that event. Yeah. Sure. It, Winthrop, it is a darn shame because, like, Winthrop, we know it's probably not a forever solution. No. But the effectiveness yeah. of that venue, I just can't even express how insanely well it's, it's laid out. They are literally, you have a road behind hole five that goes up one side and then further down and up another like there's two uphill roads that go up to like hole one three's fairway and then there's another one that goes like up towards 17 like those three roads cover like the entirety of the front nine basically yeah uh, mm-hmm. you get all the way to hole eight's t um and then it, you can also see 16's green from there and then you can walk down another path and that takes you all the way through the back nine with the exception of like hole 15 so you can so easily navigate that course as a spectator um, the layout of the course is incredibly effective for very entertaining disc golf. The viewing angles are perfect. Like it can handle the only hole, hole that is like really flawed as far as not the hole design. It's a good hole, but as far as the spectator situation is 18, 18, and eight. um, yeah, eight, eight's bad, but it, at least it's hole eight and yeah. not hole 18. Hole 18 is a real bummer. Yes. Um, because I was like there pretty early, like hustling up there. I didn't see a thing. That you still can't see 18. it. Yeah. Like 
It, it is a phenomenal. They need grandstands. Yes. They need to move. The, yes. Bro, this is Brody's idea. They need to move the scoring tent, all that. Yes. Get that in the house. And do grandstands. And do grandstands all on that hillside. That, that you're right. They do need to do that because um, cause the grandstands on hole seven were cool, and I'm sure it was easier to get them there than up there on hole 18. Well, maybe there's a road that goes there. They could. Um, but they're not necessary because hole seven is very heavily spectated, and I get that that was like a VIP seating option. Um, but there's a lot of viewing angle on hole yeah. seven, a lot mm-hmm. of it. Because uh, mo- that's the other thing. A lot of the holes, there's such huge stretches of road where like green to fairway or green to t- uh, basket. No, tee to basket. Thank you. Tee to basket. You can see everything that's happening on the hole and you can line anywhere on there and you have a good view. Uh, so yeah, it is it's basically going to be very hard to replicate whenever it happens down the road. Not only because the course is like I said, like a really good course, but because like it's somehow, it's just like the, it just somehow ended up being a perfect situation. Like it really is laid out beautifully. I think it's just, it's people hate on the course design all they want. And most of it goes in one ear and out the other for me because it creates very dramatic disc golf MPO and FPO year yeah. after year. Very dramatic disc golf. So it never good. feels like it's over. And when you're on the grounds, when you're there, it is the best tournament to be a spectator at because it's beautifully designed. Like, obviously, there's other parts of the course. We saw it before. Like, they could go onto the golf course. They could go other places. And when they choose to, it ruins it. And I think they're realizing that because, like, the way it's laid out, it just flows so perfectly that you can walk, like, you, you can have 5,000 plus people out there and every person can see everything that's going on and they can see it however they want to. Yeah. So like for Liz and I, you can jump around, you can We had a baby. Yeah. We didn't want to be up close to people where our baby might cry. So we were watching from hundreds of feet away every every shot. Yeah. And I still had a very enjoyable time and I was thinking to myself I'm like that's just not possible at other pro tours. Like no. I could not take Luca to Ledgestone. It's such because a the only venue. way I get to watch disc golf is if I'm right up on people and yeah. I can't have a 2 month old right up on people. Like yeah. it's not, it, that it honestly, it, like I, I kept thinking about it. Like I, I, I think mostly about that, you know, obviously the long, the long paths along like, um, nine, 10, 11, 12, yeah. that stretch, that's not hard to replicate because that is just, we're, just they, we're lining the fairway, but that stretch in the, in the front nine where you have the road behind five and then the two uphills that lets you get around that front nine really quick. It almost made me think like maybe that is like a future for like course design um, to try and lay out courses that way with like paths or roads that just like kind of like intersect with the course in a way that obviously you're not you're never walking across a fairway, across a fairway or anything. But it does it so beautifully that you're able to travel around like I, I think that they the course is almost trying to replicate that model um, for spectators to where it's not just one straight line taking you through the course. There are interwoven roads and things because golf disc golf holes are not that big compared mm-hmm. to like a golf hole so you can afford to stick a road here and then have a couple holes on that next plot of land and then a road there like it's not that difficult um and it makes things like shuttling people and getting the camera guys shuttled around or the players shuttled around having those roads mm-hmm. it's actually very helpful and aesthetically they're fine they don't do anything really yeah um i think usddc really looks great i think that property looks looks perfectly fine i think it's a great balance um of you know some old school disc golf and uh, more of some of the open stuff uh I, I it's it really like i know they probably didn't even try to land it at such a good venue that works this long down the road because they never could have imagined no they couldn't imagine they couldn't what, it imagine what it was gonna be but it props to them worked out the way that they have adjusted this event over the years 
even like this year where we parked as day pass holders not bad it wasn't bad no. and like it five minute it, walk it could handle it could handle more people than they were there this year yeah and like that's something that's going to be tough is like if that if as many people showed up to usdgc showed up at some of these other pro tour <laughs> yeah, venues it couldn't handle it yeah it just couldn't there's no there's no way and like that is a real problem for disc golf mm-hmm. but usdgc the way they've modeled it they can bring in so much money once a year oh my that they can afford to go buy. Like it, it would make logistical sense for any of our U.S. disc golf, whoever did it, to go buy enough land to be able to replicate this property, the like replicate something similar in yeah. the Charlotte area, and know we're going to be able to afford this land and make money. Yeah, because like I, I forget, I don't know if they ever made it public, so I'm not going to say the number, but they're paying a pretty penny to rent oh, out yeah. Winthrop's campus. Oh yeah, obviously you don't have to be a you don't have insider knowledge to know that, but they're clearly paying a pretty penny for that. Right. And it would it would not be, I think it would probably be a low number. Actually, I know it has to be a low number to estimate that they brought in a million dollars this weekend. Yeah. And, and, and fan and activation. A million, and a million and, bucks. There's a huge plot of land for you right there. Yeah. And <laughs> now, obviously, there's a lot of logistical money that goes into right. it, but like totally that also doesn't out. include like how many people are paying to vend, all of this stuff going in. Like, and U.S. Disc Golf, you can guarantee a million dollars a weekend every year, and that's with Disc Golf growing. And then, plus, you could keep the course set up all yeah, year tourism. to where it's a pay-to-play. Because, like, yeah. think how many people would come play Winthrop if the ropes were up year-round. Uh, so many. I've had so many people ask about that. If that's the, that's the big thing. If they were to... The problem is, obviously, when they first do it, it's going to be tough. But here... They almost need to get ahead of... I think that this is going to start happening more more private courses like this. So I think they need to get ahead and do it soon to where it's still like almost kind of a first. Like a first, oh my gosh, it's a disc golf exclusive property. Because I don't really believe... Other than like Eagles Crossing, they don't really exist. But even like... I'm thinking through Eagles Crossing. If that many people showed up to Eagles Crossing, it'd be a problem. Parking-wise, yeah. Parking-wise would be well, a problem. Could, they could build it out. There's but, enough land that they could build But also, walking that course as a spectator, no, you would want where would you put the championship yeah, village? You would want mm-hmm. something more open, um, for sure. The layout, that's what I'm saying. Is like The more I think through the course design of USDGC, after, after, like this is my first year that I didn't just walk with a card the whole time. This was my first year I showed up to USDGC, and I floated. I was mm-hmm. all over that course, back and forth, and I was yeah. in the championship village. I like experienced it in a whole new light, and I was like, "The course design and layout of this place is insane. It's perfect. Like that is, like to recreate that is going to be so yeah. hard. And I don't think I'm going to say it. There isn't a course that exists that can handle like it. I get that people don't like USDGC when you're watching it just on camera. I get that. If you get on the ground, you'll understand it a lot more." That like it is the perfect disc golf venue in a lot of ways. If you could remove the baseball fields, the coliseum, if you mm-hmm. could take that stuff out and you right. just have the layout, yeah, the of way, how it's laid it's out, it, it does like the it it's loops, the perfect. it loops on itself of like multiple, multiple times. times. It's, like, it's like six whole loops basically, right. like one through seven there, and then right across the street is where like you go eight out to like thirteen, kind of loops right back to the championship village. 8T and 13's basket are like right next to the championship, or I guess it's 14's and then basket. And it loops back on 16. But 13 and 14 are right next to each other. And then you go, you know, from 14, 15, 16 right back, and then 17, 18's right where 1 and 2 are. Yeah, like it it's loops just like on a itself bunch of so tiny many loops times. To where you're, all, you're always within a minute walk of the championship village. Yeah, right? I love that. That's and just like, so that's unique. just such a hard design I to I think that to the do. only way 
I think the only answer is to have a private plot of land where they try to recreate this course. I literally think they have to. I think they I have think, to well, be I like. I don't think. I don't think. They I don't think you recreate, recreate the exact course, but I think layout wise. Layout wise, like no, yeah, we yeah, go yeah. one, two. I think three. there's certain holes they should recreate. Yes, because like hole can. seven, very you, easy. Recreate, and you can keep recreate it. hole seventeen. And seventeen, yeah. you can. I was gonna say, I think, I think it'd be smart for them to. But the layout, recreate, like recreate, mm-hmm. like. You could recreate the layout as far as the feel. So, like, hole five is still a par five with a water yeah, carry. Yeah, yeah. Hole seventeen, you still have hay bales. It's still a chip forehand, mm-hmm. very similar. Like, you could you could recreate a lot. Of, like, hole six still has a low ceiling skip with a sand green with water mm-hmm. on the left. It's it'd be easy to like get the feel of the signature holes down because then a lot of those holes, you know. You're 11 and 12, for example. All you need is a long stretch of land and some OB. Yeah, like, like those those holes you can fully redesign. There's That's a lot funny. of there's a lot of holes that would be easy. Brody to had create. an interesting take, which was he thinks that hole five, if they ever redesign this place, like if they take it somewhere, the hole five style hole should be hole 16. Hole 16. Because he's basically like that. I, early I would in the ra- round, I would rather see it on the tough, back like because realistically hole five. Why do you go for the eagle? Yes. But if it's hole 16. Now you have the decision yeah. of like you could go for the eagle I actually or late agree with that. I agree. I don't um, think I think that hole five. Obviously, it's still an entertaining shot, and people do mess up. But I was watching people shred that hole for most of the time because of the, especially because the wind wasn't up. Yeah, I would like there to be more incentive to go for the eagle, even if it's moving the tee up a little bit, something. And I think you're right. Later in the round. Because, like, hole 16 is a good hole, but imagine if hole 16 was hole 5. Yeah, it's a bruise. It like, would be they, incredible. If, they, if you flipped them. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. hole 16 is fine. Just put it early in the round. Yeah, it would be incredible. Uh, yeah, but regardless, enough USDGC simping. If you're anywhere within driving distance to get to it while it's still at Winthrop, you got to. Yeah, it's a it, must do. It's incredible. Even some the gimmicky stuff, when they first do it, I hate it. Like, the mozzarella sticks, they kind of grow on me over time. They weren't really out there this year. Mm-hmm. Were they out there at all? Maybe on 16? Mm. There, well, there was on sixteen, but everything was everything looked like a little pine trees. But it grows on me this year. Like it, this year, I didn't mind it as much. And like they make different <clears> changes. <throat> like the grass link this year was huge. I love that. Yeah, Crucial. they made it so much easier to watch. And like that's what I'm talking about. Is USDGC does stuff like this where you show up to the course and I can see the future of disc golf. It mm-hmm. was right in front of me. I under, I understand where it the does sport seem goes. like. It seems like mm-hmm. you step into the future. Yeah, basically. you walk in. I'm like. This is what every pro tour is going to be like yeah. five years from now. Like yep. as a player, you've got to be circling that event every single year. Like there's, there, and, there's and no as a fan. There's no you way within, you're looking forward to anything else more than that. If like, you're a disc you? golfer and you're looking for a vacation and you're just like, hey, I want something where I want to go watch some disc golf. What tournament do I go to? And you're willing to fly anywhere. USDGC is the answer. Yeah. And I think it gets a bad rep because people don't like sometimes how much you'll be and how much blah blah blah. But it's entertaining. But if you, it's entertaining. Every single year, we had it come down to 17 again this year. And they only do it once a year. They only do it once a year. And when you get on that property, like when you're there as a spectator, like I said, it's just, it is the future of disc golf. Like there's no way around it. I'm not talking the open blah, 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 that stuff. The stuff that some people hate. I'm saying the flow and the experience as a fan, that is what grows disc golf. And personally, I've never thought the OB is excessive because A, on a lot of the holes with the most OB, they're playing hazard rules. So they're literally getting the distance. Yeah. And B... Look at where the look at what the guys were shooting that had to win. They're shooting like twelve unders coming in. You're gonna tell yeah. me that the course 
I know there was not really any wind, but you're going to tell me that course is like excessive OB and too hard when you got guys shooting 10, 11, 12 under? Of course it's not. No, and the OB is what makes it's what yeah. makes the tournament. I wouldn't. It's I would never over. I wouldn't have a problem if there was the, that amount of OB on every course in the Pro Tour. No, it would not bother me one bit. I fully agree. Like, you get punished until for bad, you get punished for bad shots at USC. You yeah, see, you, you get, get rewarded for good ones. That's, well, so that's what, it's yeah. fair. Well, what Brody said was fair. great was like it mentally exhaust you because yeah. like there is not a shot you can <laughs> yeah. relax you can't on. ease yeah. up no there's and no and that's what that's, creates that's such why good it's disc golf. there's so much tension and so much emotion yeah. in it it's and i i watched the entire i watched the whole final round on tv this year because i wasn't there obviously and i it's still it's maybe it's because i've been on the grounds in the past and i know the course like the back of my hand and like it means so much to me but watching it I mean, it it still was the like, grass length really helped this it year. Did. It did because grass, I do say it made on, it a lot easier to watch on coverage with the ropes and the stakes. If you don't know the course, yeah. it can get very confusing. Yeah, because you just see like rope in the distance yeah. crossing. The, but grass the grass length made it you, way better. Like when a disc rolled, yeah. I was I was watching because again I was watching far away. Mm-hmm. And so like on hole fourteen, for instance, Calvin on day three, I think it was someone on day three threw one. And it like slowly rolled into the mm-hmm. hazard, and like even from like three hundred plus feet away. Not a question in my mind. It was mm-hmm. in the hazard. Right. So it was so obvious. It just like the disc is in short grass and boop into the long grass. That was like, a great upgrade for I was this like, year. That's the future disc golf too. Yeah. Like that. But I was saying even that's the it. coverage last year wasn't quite as good. Yeah. The grass length. I, yeah. I, it wasn't exact. It wasn't as drastic. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. As drastic. yeah. This year it was. It was. It was definitely an improvement. But I still like watching it. Watching it on DGN like was. It was awesome. Like it yeah. still felt. It still felt so good. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, MPO. Thrilling finish. The youngest. Oh, it's so awesome. I was asking this question to Brody. Brody didn't know the answer. Gannon's got to be the youngest major champion ever, right? Like, is the PGA not calling him that just because of, like, junior they, worlds and stuff? Well, he's the youngest to win USDGC. But, like, what pro major has a 16-year-old one? I don't know. I, I Yeah, I saw them throwing out the youngest ever to win USDGC. Like, but I think the only reason they're not saying youngest to win a major is because they're counting uh, AM worlds, junior worlds, mm, stuff like that. Probably. That's the only thing that makes sense in my head, which, like, those are majors, but trying. it's a pro major. Like, mm-hmm. Well, I feel like there was a really young world champion back in the day. Was it a 16-year-old, though? He's 17. He's 17. Yeah, but he'd be younger than him. Younger, yeah. yeah, no, I think I feel like there was a... Si- Who? Look it up. Is there? How do you look it up is more what I'm asking. Yeah, I, guess. I don't PDGA, know. Oh, man. Some, we, this came up before... Just tweet this came up in like a, and say, is Gannon Burr the youngest PGA, major man. This, I don't want to talk to him. This came up in a uh, trivia question. The youngest. There it is. There it is. 17, 1984. So he's tied for youngest. That's well, but I guess it depends on how old he was. Like how how many oh, days? Right. 17 and how many days? Sam Ferris, 1984 is what it was. Yeah. I, I remember this before, so that, that's probably why they weren't throwing Sam out Ferens. that one. All right. So that's impressive. All right. There it is. Okay. Good to know. I I was like thinking I was like how is someone younger than him have won something but youngest U.S. champ, seventeen years old and the kid it felt like a long time coming which is just I weird it, it, did, it did feel like that just because he's been knocking on the door all season yeah, yeah and he finally did it and he did it in such a clutch fashion tied like the course he just, record he just was like given Guy not even tied the course record putts. with a double bogey <laughs> yeah he yeah. was given putts like hole fourteen death putt he run if he misses that yeah. putt he loses how oh well gosh. how crazy is it that literally just like Paul last year fourteen and seventeen ended up being the putts that needed to be yeah. make yeah. literally ended up being the only difference is he had to make unlike Paul last year he had to make birdie on eighteen yeah um, but it and was so it. similar because like also the other thing that was happening was like Nicholas on fourteen and seventeen was inside of Gannon. 
mm-hmm. in yeah, a way that so like Gannon makes this huge putt on fourteen, and Nicholas was relatively close. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was that pretty was probably, surprising. That was for him probably to like a thirty that. footer. It was yeah. like yeah, it, was, it wasn't, but it wasn't a nervous putt though because he definitely had confidence because he hit band. So I think it was just, I think it just was a. I still, I mean, you can be nervous and hit band. Well, yeah, but like it still was like. I it, think if Gannon, it wasn't like it slipped out of his hand. I think if Gannon misses it, Nicholas makes that. Mm. Uh, obviously, that's a big what if. There's yeah. no way to know. I, I would agree. I mean, but it seventeen, would've... even Nicholas was within a range that like that one. He that one he threw a bad putt. He he's, he's, mm-hmm. he probably wants it back. 17. Yeah, but how? I mean, that putt that'd be so tough. Yeah, the that'd dude so just banged tough. it. But there was the first time you saw a motion from him throughout the whole round. He was a robot that was, just threw yeah. good shots. That was just like it was just the whole time. It felt like. I felt like Gannon would keep on throwing good shots. I was like, yes, dude, he's winning this thing. But then Nicholas would just like, he wouldn't mess up. No, even he wouldn't eight, mess up. 18, Nicholas put it short of Gannon. So like we were watching from across the lake, mm-hmm. um, my wife and I, and I told, I told Liz, I was like, this is crucial because, um, like this is crucial because it, Nicholas basically decides the tournament here. If Nicholas yeah. gets up and down for birdie, he forces Gannon to, but if Nicholas mm-hmm. goes OB or does anything, then Gannon can just lay up, lay yeah. up, it's over. And then Nicholas threw the shot, and I was like, that's it. Gannon's yeah. got to get a birdie here. And uh-huh. Where they were at was a very tough spot to birdie from. Yeah. It's not like they were Calvin Heimberg, no, flex over the uh, tree, yeah. jump putt It's distance. always a tough birdie unless that's you throw a, and, like a stupid drive like and that. And Gannon didn't have good footing either. He was in a little yeah. valley that he yeah. had to run through. Now, on camera, I was watching it when it landed. It did not look like he ended up where he ended up. Am I wrong? It, look, it, it looks like sight, it didn't look like a gimme. No, but like on, when it when it cut when the way it cut rolled, I thought it went off the first. Yeah, yeah same. I yeah. thought it just yeah. kind of went out of sight, but it was just sitting right next then, to the center box. Because then Nicholas putted first. I was like, Gannon's got to be like close, close. Yeah, and yeah. I, thought, I, I didn't realize he was parked either. I Whenever everybody started yeah. cheering, I was confused because I thought he was like he had possibly yeah. rolled down the hill or something. I thought I he, thought he was going to have like that shoestrick putt. Yeah. In 2014. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought he had a tester for sure. Uh, and I mean, it's still in that once, situation. Because somebody that else, because but... somebody else tapped out, and I was like, "Oh, he's parked. Like he must be parked. Yeah. It's over." Yeah. Because like, yeah, I couldn't see anything. I now I did hear because like from my view, we Not saw like he would have missed the putt anyway. Yeah. Sure, hundred feet away. We saw point. Gannon's putt skip or his upshot skip around the corner. We couldn't really tell anything else, but I, apparently he like threw it like pretty much through one of the trees. Mm. No, yeah, yeah, he had a tree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the tree on the right. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, so like he got kind of fortunate. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's the the mistake is to miss wide. He did as soon as he got through the tree and started hysering. He like clapped and yeah. went yes. Yeah. So like he was he very confident. Chance, it was yeah. a good shot. But hey, um, that's such, that is a tough putt. shot. And then very. everyone started chanting Gannon, and it was a beautiful moment. It was. That was crazy. I mean, a seventeen-year-old major Gannon. I'm telling you right now, I was screaming. Everybody in my neighborhood could hear me screaming whenever he Gannon that Bird deserves a very large contract. Gannon's gonna get the bag. I mean, imagine being seventeen years old, right? And you just won twenty-five grand at a disc golf tournament. That he won twenty-five grand. Twenty-five grand. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I, that's the biggest one they've ever had. I gotta be up there. Yeah. Or did yeah. You, what was it last year? 20, I 20? Think. Man, that's 25 I was so funny. In that interview, dude. they're like, so what do you got to do next? And he was like, well, to? I've been pushing off a lot of schoolwork, so I got to do a lot of homework tomorrow. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, like that's so... Graduate. Like, what the heck? Just I imagine be being 17 right years out. old and just getting 25 <laughs> See grand. See you later. What, uh, what is his earnings at now this year? Because he was already pretty high up there. Definitely going to college. No, surely well, He's definitely not. not going to college. He, has no, he no, told me no he couldn't wait to graduate, but... He's 47. So that like it doesn't have that in here yet. He's already at forty seven. He's at forty seven without it. So it'll be close 72. to seventy five. Seventy two grand on the year. Imagine imagine he wins a tour championship. He could hit six he figures. He could hit year. over a hundred thousand as a seventeen year old. That man's gonna get the bag. And he better. 
He better. He and better I hope, get the bag. Yeah, I mean, he seems pretty loyal to Prodigy, yeah, so I think we'll, he'd be he willing to like we'll represent. I think he'd be willing to get a little less to say with Prodigy, but <laughs> dude, I'm I, not I wouldn't gonna want lie. To leave Prodigy, I think honestly, that was he's the, so good with that plastic. That was the greatest Prodigy commercial I've ever seen in my life because yeah, dude, had, I I'm not a big Prodigy fan, but I was watching him throw those discs and I was like. Wow, Prodigy just so reliable. He makes you know, things like, like the, which is not ever what I would D3s, think. Three's man. It's just like it's just like the Shoestrick era. Yeah, when Shoestrick was doing stuff with Prodigy, you just wanted Prodigy in your bag. Yeah, and watching Gannon do stuff with Prodigy, you just want it. My friend who was watching it with me, he was just like, "What did he throw there?" I was like, "Oh, it's, I think that might be the new FX4." I've been wanting, to and put he was Prodigy like, "Oh, I, I need to try that." Do you guys have any of those in stock? He's literally selling them on my. Couch. If I can find some of the money stuff. It, that I used to bag with from Prodigy. Oh, that's the thing too, though. Is like their new stuff that's coming out. They're fixing a lot of the problems. Yeah, that, like, they kept really are. Good. Yeah, they really like, are. Like, there's Prodigy a lot on the of up. Things. Are, are you so buy, sell, or hold Prodigy? I'm buying I'm hard because oh, they also have Alden Harris, Isaac Robinson, they're, Gavin they're Babcock. Team, yeah, their team's filthy and young. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy how they filthy literally and young. They literally that's now have slogan. done this. <laughs> they've done this like three times now, where they loaded up right at the beginning. Lost everybody. Kind of loaded up again. You know, had Dickerson still. Um, but this one feels like. But now they've loaded up again. This feels different because they've loaded up young. They're Before real young, they were yeah. like getting like Big Jerm, uh, Ricky, Yuli. Mm-hmm. Like they're getting. I'm pretty sure Alden. Names. I'm pretty sure Alden's only twenty. Yeah, as I'm saying. Gavin, Isaac's young too. Yeah, Isaac. I think he's pretty fresh out of college as and well. They're good. They're filthy. I'm like going, Isaac Robinson came in sixth prodigy. place. The prodigy boys. The prodigy boys are legit. We should. We got to get like. Um, well, we could, this could be like an off-season se- uh, segment whenever we do like buy, sell, and hold for the companies, but get like average ratings of like teams and like age, and try mm. and like find like yeah. which teams are really the most stacked. That's smart. Where's um, Al- what did Alden finish? He did okay. So he, let, let me read you this: Alden Harris, fifteenth; Gavin Babcock, twelfth; Isaac Robinson, sixth; Gannon Burr, first. Oh my god! And they're all like, where would Ezra Robinson finish? Because I high key feel like he did okay. I didn't realize Gavin like did so 50. well. 35. 35th. Yeah, like, so Young Prodigy is, Luke Humphrey's prodigy? is disgusting. No, I don't think so. I thought Maybe. he was. I he thought is. I saw yeah, him. Yeah, he, he came in 35th too. Young Prodigy, but he's not that young. Young Prodigy he's young. is disgusting. Vino Makala. Makala is also He's prodigy. also Prodigy, 28th. Dang, dude. That's what I'm saying. Young Future's Prodigy bright. is crazy. Kevin Jones, 21st. <laughs> yeah, and he's happy with it. He's happy he, he with played it. Played he played great. The people, the people at Prodigy good, must, be very, must be really nice People, they are. They're very because nice. The, because let's let's be honest, Prodigy discs don't keep people on Prodigy's team. Well, if you the have right that, ones, yeah, say if you if, have the if, right ones, yes, if you have if the right you're ones, Burr, you're but Prodigy the discs stuff. aren't getting people to Prodigy's their team. Their new stuff might. Their new their stuff, stuff just it might. Does, their yeah. new stuff does feel before this year. I fully you're agree. right. I, I feel like yeah. I feel like my age, uh, my age in in disc golf. We're the ones who feel iffy about Prodigy because we we've been through the, the ugly yeah, stuff. The, the, you know, the, the frustration with Prodigy back in the day was it was inconsistent. So like getting if you got the good stuff, it held up to anything. Yeah, yeah. But it was tough was to get some of the good stuff. But I think now they're kind of turning a corner, and I hope I, so, Prodigy's man. on the rise right now. Prodigy's hardcore Prodigy's on the rise. rise. I would man, they're on the rise. This is like this is what it bye, felt bye, like with bye. MVP last year. Yeah. Very Let's get it going. Mm. Let's get it churning. Uh, another <laughs> impressive finish, obviously, Nicholas Antela. Um, yeah. The kid's got a bright future. We've known it for a while. I don't like his form. I'm going to just say it. I don't really like have it. have a problem with it. Don't, I, I don't like it. It just makes me it. uncomfortable. 
It kind of looks like but it he works. Like looks like a spider is throwing a disc. I mean, I I mean but it's similar. Like I don't like Matteo's form, but the dude is insane. Like he's so good. Dude, I love watching you don't have Matty-O. to like their form for them to be good. Matteo is such. A it's vibe. like I didn't like Leandro Barbos, whatever his name was, jump shot. It sounds the, like a pirate. But the dude was filthy. <laughs> Remember him? He played for the Suns. Oh, shot Barbosa. with like both hands. I understand. Yeah, could not stand his jump shot. But I loved watching the disc leave, like leave his hand. But the whole run up, it did bother me. But what Nicholas did was he was just Mister Consistent. And mm-hmm. he made someone do something crazy to beat him, and Gannon just did it. And that's pretty much all that happened. It's definitely how old? How old is Nicholas? Twenty, I think. He looks like uh, he's so young. Going into eighteen, Philo said, "Well, we know one thing. We do know is there's not going to be a champagne shower because neither of these guys can drink." Yeah, yeah. So he's got to be twenty. I if, mean, we had the two leaders for this tournament, both twenty and younger. kids, is, and they yeah. and they hung in there. I thought for sure I was like, "Those they guys did more are more than hang young. in there." And guess what? The the vets in Paul and Calvin. Couldn't really make a charge, and and the young guys yeah, they hung they, in there. They were holding it. Their mental game, I, it's insane. Nicholas, is, you think uh, their mental game gets worse in the next few years, no, or no. Be, or do you? Because th- yeah. they could Gannon, possibly just have that. Young, I would be terrified of Gannon right now. But they could just be have that young like the bliss. Yeah, run everything. No, but you got to think the last uh, player we saw that was like a prodigy like Gannon, uh-huh, right? Was that Eagle. was like was Eagle. But at the time, Eagle couldn't win. Well, Paul Eagle had, was too actually. Paul wasn't that young. He, he won his first world young. at like 21. But yes. Yeah, you're right. But, he was, but look what time, Paul yeah. did. Yeah, you're right. But the difference between Paul and Eagle is Paul at 21 was winning worlds. And he uh-huh. had a killer mindset. Mm-hmm. Eagle, when he was young, it took him a little bit to get that clutch gene. Yeah. Gannon just has He's it. He has it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he does kind of Because like, it. realistly, if you look through you can, some of his finishes, just, it's not like... Like he'll make some mistakes, he's but really cla- it's usually the first round collapsing. that he struggles. Yeah, yeah. If you you, you can kind of just look at Gannon and see he's kind of got the it factor. Like all yeah. year, I've tweeted you don't, you don't, ice in his veins at yeah. like thirty five different times. You don't bang. Like. You're not banging fifty footers like that in in a fourth round of a major with just no problem. I if, did if see, you don't have ice in your. You're not I, making I that putt on seventeen or getting up and down for birdie on eighteen he, if you don't have it. Yeah, he's insane. I could see some some beast mode in him because like it, he does have the clutch. You're right because whenever. Whenever he's got those putts, it's just he he just, just no makes it when he needs to make the putt. He he's makes a, it. it he, is, the scariest it is crazy. thing, yeah. The scariest thing about Gannon, like Eagle, and different from a lot of top guys, like I wouldn't say Ricky or Paul even have this trait, is that they are effortless disc golfers. Yeah, yeah. they look like they don't even have to try to mm-hmm. get the disc out there. He's so tall and lanky. They've got that build to them, and yeah, they look effortless. I think Gannon is very calculated. I know people give him a bad rap for taking too much time. He didn't play slow at USDDC. No, no yeah, I, huge um, improvement. There. But I, I think he just is very. He has. He he's smart. I think he's a smart kid. Like I, the way he talks about disc golf and approaches things. I think he's smart. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you right now. Whew, watch out! <laughs> watch out, disc golf, and get your checkbook out, prodigy. Yeah, <laughs> get your checkbook out. I think he has an extension. I think he's through, still next, through next year. year. And I man, I hope he has a player option because I would. I'd opt right on out of that thing. If Prodigy's smart, they're, they're renewing him this him. offseason. Yeah, if Prodigy's yeah. smart, they're going to sign him big. Because right off-season. now, Prodigy's basically the only one that has a shot yeah, at him. I would. Um, I would I wouldn't even let another company find his phone number if I were Prodigy. I would. I would extend. Yeah, his big. right now he's through 2023. He yeah. signed an extension through 2023. If I'm Prodigy, I'm extending him this yeah. offseason. Well, no doubt. I would bet, and this isn't really Prodigy's fault because Gannon hadn't quite exploded really no. until this year. But I would bet his contract is incredibly o- underwhelming. Now, I'm sure he's done well with whatever the bonus structure is because yes. dude just won a major and has had a lot of top fives. But I hope they've got the money for it because he is worth a lot of money. He is. It's tough because there's he's like, marketable too. There's like, he's funny on camera. He is marketable, yeah. he, and, he, and he's got a, he's got passion when he plays too. Well, let's say I would say if I'm prodigy right now and I have 
I, I think like the deal that he probably deserves if you were to sign him, I think he shouldn't sign anything more than like four years max. I think he yes. should really stick to like three years. If I was Gannon, I'm going two years and I'm demanding at least 500K over two years. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Two years, 500,000 sounds about right. Like that's, and, that's if I'm Gannon, that's my minimum. Ooh, like I need that. That'll be the next thing to see with Gannon is that's the only test he hasn't passed yet is the how much do, how well do I play with a big contract over my head? Yeah, because that's that, true. Because that but, kicks people in the butt. I don't think it's I don't think it's, him. Because I don't think it's going to phase him, like, but that kicks people in the butt. And, the and also, is, he is already making a, a lot of money for a 17-year-old. As a 17-year-old, right now, he's already playing without the stress of worrying about money. Yeah. already because he still lives at home right his you know his parent his mom's taking him to a lot of these events yeah he's doing this a lot of it the money i like it's not in a situation where he's like a 25 year old and like the money's motivating him right yeah. now he's motivated by he wants to be the best disc golfer in the world right yeah that doesn't sure. change with a big check yeah no yeah now as he gets older obviously yeah. it's just the expectations that'll no. be that'll be the key to but like I, he already has a lot of expectations on him I know he puts pressure on himself. I don't think the money would will make he a difference. He doesn't seem like the type of guy. I'm I think a big difference with those contracts is is the player trying to meet the company standards or is the company trying to meet the player standards? Because as of right now, Gannon has a huge advantage because Prodigy is going to try to meet Gannon's standards. Right. So if they're, they're making for certain, up yeah. for what Gannon just did. However, if you sign a big contract and you haven't yet proved yourself possibly like the Kona you, deal with Kona. Yeah. yeah. She now has to step up yeah. to the plate and it, it's a whole different kind of pressure. Well, also, I just point, think, Connor. I think that Gannon knows that like in his deepest desire, he wants to be the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what drives him, not the money. Yeah. yeah. And so be- to me, I don't like that type of player with that type of drive. It's similar to if you gave Paul the bag he has now in 2015, I think Paul's still a six-time world champion. And it, mm-hmm. and to go, because Paul in 2015, he was making really good money in disc golf in those oh, years. Oh, for disc golf, yeah. Like in 2012, 2013, 2014, when he got to 2015, he was making the proverbial bag in disc golf at the yeah. time, and the dude still didn't finish outside the top three in 2015. Mm-hmm. Like when you have that dog in you, you're not driven by money. You're driven by your taste to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, that's the difference to me. Gannon, now, yeah, Gannon wants to win. And he, when there's money on the line, like, you know, you're winning 25 grand, that can take someone who has a dog in them and make that dog a little hungrier. Mm-hmm. And as you know, hungry dogs run faster. So, you know, someone who's like on the edge, like they're a top 20 player and they're like, dude, if I like, look at this guy, this guy, this finish, you know, beat me weekend. Like, like, let's look at a uh, Kyle Klein character, huh? Let's take Kyle Klein. Yeah. He's made 31 grand this year. And then let's look at Joel Freeman right next to him. Hey, I was almost right. Kyle Klein did almost Joel come back Freeman, for 37. He wasn't grand. Out of it. So if I'm a, let me just pick someone a little bit down the list. Uh, let's look at Ben Calloway. If I'm a Ben Calloway, I made $9,000 this year <laughs> cashing. Ooh. I'm looking at a Kyle Klein or a Joel Freeman. I'm like, are they really that much better than me? Right. Like, like, what's the gap between me and them? And it's a difference. And the in a difference lot of money. is like twenty some grand. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money. And in Joel's Freeman case, the difference is thirty grand a year in just tournament cash. And that doesn't have anything to do with bonuses or anything. Like if I'm Benjamin Callaway, that's where money motivates me. Because like I'm not really in contention to win week in and week out. Right. right. I want to show up and perform, but I'm looking at a guy that like if they played a practice round together, Joel Freeman's better than Ben Callaway. Significantly. But it, it wouldn't be like you'd watch him probably throw in a field and it's it wouldn't be like for him to get it wouldn't to be level, a though. shocking like if I threw next to Joel Freeman, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, Hunter, like, yeah, yeah, of course he made that yeah. much more ben than you. Callaway you suck. Could beat Joel but Freeman. Ben Callaway, you look at him and you're like, you can see it. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. if I'm Ben Calloway and I believe in myself, it's that's where money motivates. It's like, yeah, I'm that close to being you know thirty some grand a year guy, and like so that's where the money motivates. But when you're Gannon Burr, so money's not. So the here's thing. my question mm-hmm. because Gannon he's now checked that last final box. He hasn't, of like, he hasn't won a pro tour. Well, he's checked the box of can you win on the biggest stage? Answer yes. yes. And I think we all kind of knew this anyways, but he's for sure proved it now because like mm-hmm. that that event at the beginning of the year. He really did everything he needed to win. He just he got just outplayed the at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my question is, now that you know that, and Gannon looks as dangerous as anybody's ever been, if you had to right now make your prediction for Pro Tour points, like where are you putting Gannon for next season? Like, next are, season? Like are you putting him at one? It, it's hard not to. Mm. Yeah, I think I definitely know. put him I, in top three. Because like the only thing that the only reason the he wasn't like, higher up this year is because he was missing wins because his finishing place was insane. Yeah. I think I'm putting him probably two. One, he, I don't know if he'll get one over like a Rick or a Paul or a Calvin or if Eagle's healthy, but I think it's hard not to put him at two, three at the lowest. That's yeah. a, he's def- it does I, feel like I that. definitely think Gannon next season is on that top tier because there's always yeah. that top tier of like the Paul, Rick, Calvin thrown in there, Dickerson at times was in there, Eagle's always in there. There is that top tier of players still. Yeah, he's there. I think Gannon's there. Yeah. And I think Matteo with a win or two is there. But Matteo's not there right yeah, he now. Just can't, he can't win. He can't win right now. My, um, I've only got one more event in the year, and then that, but that worked I, if, out. <laughs> if Matteo wins the Pro Tour Championship, I don't think that changes your statement. I don't think it does either, but people because, will like, tell me it does. Nathan Queen won last year, and I think it's safe it's to true. say Nathan Queen can't win on the Pro Tour. Well, I think that's a safe statement. Well, he's hurt. We'll never know. He is hurt right now. Could he is been, hurt right Could have been a big season. Um, but <laughs> I like Nathan. Yeah, I think, I think it's safe to say at this point, next year, Gannon Burt, going into it, has to be like up one of the preseason favorites for Player of the Year. Yeah, he has to be. I, that'll be another. Off-season now, let's just episode, look. Let's I just guess. look at his season. Our preseason uh, All Americans. Are we doing that? <laughs> we'll do that in the off season at some point. Like as the stretches are way down, too, way too early. Top Gannon's 10. worst finish this year was twenty fifth at Waco. I believe one that was his more worst finish. I believe yeah. one more stat about Gannon too was that he's the first one to ever win this tournament on their second attempt. Mm. Oh, like earliest mm-hmm. attempt to win? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty insane. So, this is only his second. USDGC. Well, Kalima won in his first attempt. What was he do when the opening one? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah. his second attempt probably, <laughs> <laughs> and his third. I don't know how many he won in a row. To I mean, start. Gannon, but this still, is Gannon, I mean, this is only his second time playing. The yeah, game. that is that insane. Is, Gannon went 14th at Worlds, sixth at Green Mountain, third at MVP, and then won USCGC. But like his worst finish all year is 25. Like he didn't finish outside the top 25. And this that year. was an anomaly. And that, that was the, the Texas finished, swing was weird. He only finished outside the top 15 two times. He's good. Yeah, he's insane. twice, twenty fifth and twenty fourth, and that insane. was the Texas swing. He his he's that kind be of the season, destroyer of worlds next season. Yeah, he's so similar. Good. He's similar to like a Calvin of last year, where like you just every single time they're in the mix. Like they're just so his consistency is insane. I remember the first time I saw him play, and I just remember thinking to myself like this guy just doesn't really miss lines badly. Like mm-hmm. he he always is either hitting the line or very close to it. Like mm-hmm. his consistency is insane. He doesn't really shank shots. Obviously, the putt is deadly. I would say when his putt is on, who's out putting him? I don't think anybody is. Um, stud. Stud muffin. Do you mind if I say some thoughts on the coverage? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, overall, the coverage is very good. I experienced USCGC in what felt like a real way. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, so, I... so start off with that there are very few negatives to the coverage uh some of the things i really really liked i liked the drone shots 
I, I thought it was a really interesting mix up on hole six. Nope, hole seven. I'm sorry. Uh, there was a drone shot over the tee pad. And uh, they first switched to it, and it was right before Paul threw. And it was just like a not quite completely top down. It was a little bit back, but you mm-hmm. were only seeing the tee pad. And I was like, okay, this shot's kind of a weird choice. Like, I can't see anything. And then he threw, and then it panned and followed the disc. Like, and you saw it go through the the triple mando and everything, and I was like, never mind. I really like that shot. It gave it just gave you like cool, cool mm. context for the hole. I liked that. Um, I didn't like it whenever it was directly over top because you couldn't really tell you what was lose going context, on with the disc. Yeah. yeah, but whenever it was a little bit back, I, I really liked those a lot because that that was really cool. Um, one thing I didn't really like was I didn't like how um, I just didn't like the way it looked whenever they were in the hole preview and they would just have like the T sign come from the side with yeah. like a little bit of a fade on the edge. Yeah. I just thought that looked that looked like it that looked like coverage from They're still trying to figure that that out. That looks like out coverage sure. from 2012. Which one was this? It's uh, a, the whole previews. The whole previews. The, like, uh, map next to and it's like kind of like, uh, it, like it, it kind of feels like Marty McFly coverage. It, yeah. Exactly. It feels like yeah. it's from 2014. Um I I just feel like they could have done that better because the graphics were incredible. Like they looked really really good. Um but yeah, I, but uh, that that was just I didn't like the way it looked. Uh, they obviously had their best cameraman on uh, lead card because anytime they would cut to like Matteo's round or something, you would it would be like all over the place, and then you'd get the shot, and then it would like go back to all over the place. But I mean, I understand they're they're switching that stuff on the fly. It wasn't that big of a deal. It just made me laugh. It wasn't yeah. like it made it worse to watch. Um, but the main thing that bothered me the most, Ian Anderson. I'm not historically a giant fan. He I he won me over. I like him. I liked him just fine. He didn't do anything wrong, I felt like. Hey, it looks like he got in some like pretty good shape. He he's, he looks good right now. Uh he's 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 got a good personality it sounds like. I heard him call out almost no discs really oh, in that final round. I did not notice it at least. Um Innova had a hand in that. They might have. Yeah, that <laughs> is true. At, at Vegas they did. Yeah. That is true. That's true. But um uh, yeah, I I I liked him. I I had no problems with him. Did not like Philo. Mm-hmm. I do. I didn't. I like tip. I used to like watching Philo back in the day play, just because he was. I mean, he had a different. They're he rocks, just, man. Had, yeah, he had a good personality or whatever. I did not like him on on uh, commentary. I thought he was way too casual. He I've always he was like the giving, more spirited color guy. Like that's why I that's why I like yeah. um Doss in color commentary because I don't know if you look at, if you think if you look at like a lot of the broadcast relationships in pro sports, like a lot of times you have the, the color commentary guy needs to be guy that brings almost energy yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to the booth because sure. play by play can only do so much color guy like Tony Romo on the CBS broadcast. Jim Nance is Jim Nance, but then Tony Romo comes in. Yeah, Jim, blah, 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 blah. Like they're probably gonna, like, that's the guy who brings the energy. So I see, I see what you're I, saying. I just felt like, I like there being some like I'm I'm totally down with there being emotion in um, commentary. I feel like I only got one emotion from Philo, and that was, "Oh, that's crazy, man! Didn't see that back in the day." Yeah. Oh, I couldn't throw that anymore. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy, dude. Yeah, it's not. Oh, it's, he's only seventeen. Just not quite up like, to Scott. Like it just it was he was just way too casual and also it just didn't sound like he had he just wasn't really giving me any information yeah yeah I just I felt like he was kind of he, I think it was a waste a lot of people there. liked him at the beginning because when commentary the commentators were just getting started 
Um, a lot of them were learning as like makes sense. And that's why we were a lot of times frustrated with them. And so the ones who had the most energy, like a Nate Doss, were going to make the most mistakes. Mm -hmm. So Philo made not a lot of mistakes because he was so laid back. But now you're kind of, now as the other ones have gotten better, you're kind of realizing what is he really adding to this broadcast? Yeah. Because before it was like, He's not taking away from the broadcast. Other people are. Now it's like, well, no, they're adding to the broadcast. Yeah, so you need people now, to add. Like, we need people to add to the broadcast. I felt like Ian did a good job. And Will I they ever like get Philo, rid of him? Like, Probably not. Yeah. Because that's like, just not how this I'll be works. Curious to see what, I'll be curious next year what the commentary team looks like. Because it looks like they threw a lot at the wall this year. Yeah. And they... Siri just started going off. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that got picked up. Here, it's going to say it again. That's sorry. My my Alexa reminds me every day to take a massive dump on Trevor's desk at eleven o'clock. Yeah, so we got to so get on the podcast. Funny. Yeah, we, Connor's got some. I uh, sorry, I've got some, yeah, I got. I um, did hear. I heard from I'm Brian. Not, not cut to my angle for a while. Earhart that like they were there was decisions that were going to be made as far as like you know he you know he was going to ask for certain roles and other people were like they, I feel like there's probably going to be a shake. Well, it up. seems like every off season they set the lineup and they stick to the lineup. Yeah. Like it seems like this year they had a clear schedule and they stuck to that schedule. And it's so, so I'm curious next year what's the schedule going to be. But yeah. that's more off season topics. Let's go ahead um we've been on USDC a long time. Yes. It's a long episode. Let's go ahead and talk through the points real quick. Oh shoot, it is a long episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> let's talk through the points real quick. Uh I gained 6 points for FPO. I believe it was having Henna in the right spot. Thanks, Nolan. Nolan got me six points there. So I'm at 148.5. Connor got six MPO for picking Gannon to win. Four Heck FPO yeah. picking two of the top three. And his dark horse, fly on Mr. Barry Schultz. Oh, yeah. Took that down for him. So Connor got 14 also, points. So bad for me. Went up to 118. Connor, Trevor got two points MPO, two points FPO for 104 going into the Pro Tour Championship. The Pro Tour Championship, the way we're going to do it, like they're, they're comebacks, there's comebacks that can happen. So this is far from over, but it's uh, you oh, know Connor extended his lead. I think we should. A little bit I think we might want to save power rankings until the grippies and make it part of the. Oh grippies. Th- yeah, that's a great idea. The mm-hmm. final That'll power ranking. The final power rankings will be a part of the grippies. Um, we're gonna go into a Trevor's trivia. Before we do that, we gotta take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by True Classic. It's sports season, baby, and our sponsor, True Classic, has everything you need to make the most of that lineup. Whether you have abs of steel or a soft cream field center, me, finding the right <laughs> t-shirt can be terrible. Most t-shirts are too tight in all the wrong places or way too big and boxy, but not True Classic. This is the brand behind the softest, flattering, and most comfortable t-shirt of the year. Athletes may have jerseys, but we have True Classic. True Classic is the one-stop shop for your favorite casual crewnecks, polos, and activewear. And I'm telling you, they give you all the expensive brands out there a run for their money. These are the uniform you need in your closet. They do the styling. You do the wearing. It's just that simple. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men get their fit on at an affordable price. So we want to hook you up with some True Classic. For a limited time only, get 25% off with code GRIPLOCK at trueclassic.com. I, Pete, personally just used this code. It's a heck of a deal. Recently. To get some shorts. I wanted to try out their shorts. I've been wearing the heck out of them. I've been running in them. I've been playing disc golf in them. I think I'm going to check out the joggers now that it's getting cold. Yeah, the joggers are probably a big play too. The shorts even have like a back zipper pocket for your wallet. Ooh, so when I was at USDGC, mm, it made crazy. it super easy to have my wallet on me without my front pockets. I, I hate carrying everything in my front pockets because yeah. like, it looks weird on shorts. Yeah, when you got yeah. your wallet, your keys, and, and your phone. with the athletic material, material it like stretches it Stretches out, around. So. Yeah, yeah, but this, you slide it in that back pocket, zip it, you know it's good to go. Also handy for going on runs. You can put like I put my like my car key yes. in the back pocket and zip it up. And I know it's not going anywhere, mm-hmm. but it's also not clanking against my thigh. So yes. shorts. That's not what this ad reads about. The shorts on True Classic, I highly recommend. They're extremely comfortable. The t-shirts we've already talked about, they're comfortable too. 
In general, guys, you're wearing the wrong clothes. It's time to level up. Highlight your greatest assets with your t-shirt that you can confidently throw on and throw in. Winky face. Anytime. True Classic makes great quality clothes for real guys. You'll get that perfect fit in the softness you always wanted from the sandpaper excuses for a t-shirt you're probably wearing right now. Shots freaking fired. Uh, do us all a favor. Show off your arms with the activewear crew necks. They're sun, sweat, and stink wicking. Plus, they look amazing. Ooh. And are you worried about sizing? True Classic yes. leaves no man behind. For the bigger boys out there, there's tall and triple XL sizing. And you may even get more reps in with True Classic because when you look good, you feel good. True Classic yeah. for the win. So, guys, don't drop the ball. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at TrueClassic.com with the code GRIPLOCKED. Free shipping is included on purchase over $100. That's 25% off. TrueClassic.com with the code Grip locked. I'm pumped. All right, it's time for the fan favorite segment, Trevor's, Trevor's Trivia. trivia. All right. Trevor's Trivia. This Trevor's one's uh, trivia. pretty quick, but it, it'll be, like I think it'll be a fun one. It'll be nice and easy. So what I've got here is the course stats for... I just They don't have the all-rounds course stats yet. Um, okay. Shame on you. So we're just going to go round four because that makes sense anyways because Connor watched all of round four and mm-hmm. so did I um, and so did Hunter. So... It makes sense. So we're going to do... Be real right now. Don't worry about me, man. You're being, uh, are awful. you being real? You just keep doing the Trevor's trivia. Uh, anyways, so the way this is going to work, I've got for round four, the holes that on average played the hardest and easiest. You're each going to guess. Um, we're going to start with which holes played the hardest, and whoever guesses the one that actually played the hardest of the ones you're guessing okay. um, wins. If we tie between the easiest and hardest, then we'll do a tar- tiebreaker of some sort. So we'll start. Okay. Which hole round four was playing the hardest hunter? It, Which relationship to par. Relationship to par was playing the hardest. I'm going to say hole number My heart wants to say three because I don't think there's a lot of birdies. It's tough though, because like there wasn't a lot of OB either. Yeah, there was, but it's probably a lot of pars. There was a lot of par. I know there was a lot of pars. That is a tough one. Because then you get the holes on the back that like have all the OB. But they're also playing as hazard. Do I go with my heart? Connor, do you know? I'm going with hole 13. Oh, dang it. That was literally what I was going to say. Get wrecked, son. I think it's, I want to say 13 as well because that's what it felt like the lead card did the worst on. That's definitely when Ganon fell apart the most. I was gonna say thirteen. All right, then I'll then I'll switch it up. What's the um the whole is it whole eleven? That is the one with the bushes on the right. Mm-hmm. That's eleven. I'll say whole eleven. Um, well, both of you are pretty far off. Thir- okay, thirteen was more difficult than eleven. Um, hole thirteen played plus point one nine strokes over par. That's actually um, that's a lot closer to par. Then than you par. had hole two. Hole 17, hole 12, and hole 3 was the hardest hole. Hole 3 was the hardest. Hole playing is point three six over it. par. Interesting. Um, hole, 11 only, hole 11 only played point zero one strokes over par. Um, it's I because think the, the it's green be- on that hole still makes it... It's because, it, it's well, because no it was one, a hazard. No one, no one was birdie in hole uh, 3. Like, you just weren't birdie. But on, on 11, the thing was, too, if you threw a drive out of bounds, you could still get up and down for par. Trevor did the thing where he talked me out of it. I did. All right, and well, Hunter gets that that's point. That's dirty because you know I knew it. Now and we're going to talk me out of it. It's true, but you also had a lot of options in between. <laughs> picked, so that's true. Because like 12, 12 is freaking hard. People were taking big numbers on twelve. At thirteen, just like with that drive, I saw a lot of people. I saw people mess up on thirteen a lot. So just right. it swayed in my decision. Now we're going to easiest. Connor, you can lead off this time. Easiest 
Yeah. I'm going to have to say, oh, I guess I don't have to say it. That's crazy. <laughs> um, I want to say hole one because I think it's the most birdied. Mm. Um, but, and I don't think a lot of people bogey hole one. Give me one second. All right, for the sake of going with the gut, I'm going to stick to hole one as easy as hole. Hunter. I'll just go hole nine. Hole one was the third easiest hole. Okay. Hole nine was the second easiest oh, hole. Oh, get ready. No! Son. Hole one played 0.34 strokes under par. Hole nine played 0.42 strokes under par. And hole 10, easiest mm, hole yeah. because of all the eagles. eagles. Mm. I was thinking hole nine because mm. where the drop zone was, you, you shouldn't really be worse than a bogey. Correct. And so I was just like... You, you can't really mess old nine up. Which one like you can't you can really mess up? Than, yeah. But one, there's not a lot of people birdie it because the of pressure the of starting the yeah, turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw a shocking amount of people three putt on hole one because of the pressure. Yeah, oh my gosh. Chase card on final round of hole one. I mean, it was, it was Kyle Klein three putted. You still picked it as your hardest, man? We did see a lot of birdies, but too. Were like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like that was an anomaly. Hole nine, I just felt like hole nine, just because of where the drop zone was, it just wasn't an option to blow I up. I mean, early. neither one of us had dumb picks. It, they, were the, they were the third and no. second yeah. easiest. Yeah, hole but ten. Mine I was more said dumb. hole ten, but hole ten, I saw... I was just swayed too much for what I saw. I saw Calvin take That's a like, five or fair. six or seven. He took a seven, didn't he? I yeah, Calvin know. took a seven took on that hole. Number. Yeah, he did, because he lost five strokes to Nicholas on it. No, to Gannon on it. So, I was swayed too much of what I saw. All right. Well, last week, um, immediately following our podcast release, basically, the PGA PGA sent out an email saying, hey, you're going to get an email that's a survey that is going to basically gauge opinions on transgender players in FPO. The survey we got did that for like a page. And we knew we were going to get the survey. We had we had been forewarned that a survey would be coming. Yes. Just to give some context. Yeah. And so you get the survey the next day. And A, let's start off here. First off, I don't think that the best way to make this decision is to survey the masses. First and foremost. Because like this the decision on transgender players and FPO should be based on science and that alone. Like it should just be based on like look at the facts. Let's see what the facts tell you. Base it. Because no matter what happens, you're gonna someone's gonna be upset. Mm-hmm. No matter Correct. what happens. So polling the masses and deciding who's the least upset, which I don't think that's what they were doing, but it's it, you could see where you'd think they were doing that. Um, that doesn't really make sense to gauge anything in the decision. And the PDJ Medical Committee kind of came out, someone from it, and said, like, that's not what we're doing. Like, this, this survey isn't really for us. We already have our science stuff. We know what we're doing. So that was kind of a weird one. But then the questions on the survey made you kind of be like what is the survey really for mm-hmm. yeah because like if the survey came out and it said hey we're just this is a general demographic survey we want to get opinions on your issue on this issue we also just want to know what is our de- demographic what do the, where yeah. do the players of the pdj stand basically then i would have took the survey and I'd be like this makes sense some of the children questions were still like weird how like how do you answer this question yeah those were weird but in general i had have been like okay that makes sense but the issue was it was Posed to me at least how I read it was I'm about to get a survey that's just getting my opinion on transgender yeah. players and FPO. Well, here's what it, it comes down to. The PDGA knows that the survey is going to be probably one of their most attended surveys ever because usually I'm hand up when a PDGA survey comes through, I'm ignoring it. However, they know in their hearts people are going to get after this survey because they want to be able to get be heard. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking, 
wouldn't this be a great time to really get a feel for our demographic and whatever info we want to know about our following because we know it's going to be one of the most replied surveys we've ever had? Hence the questions. Yeah. Well, because like the first... <laughs> that's what few, it feels like to me. There's there's multiple reasons why the questions the probably weren't the way they did, but pages, that's, a, that's probably one of them. The first few pages made a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Like, it was asking you things that all pertain to the main issue and asked you like your education level, general stuff about you to help. It all made sense. And then you get to like the next page and it just immediately goes like, basically, do you lean left or right? Like, are you on this side of the scale? It's extremely liberal. This side's extremely conservative. Where do you place yourself on the scale? How many times do you go to church? And there's no neutral. No. Well, you there, have to be swayed. It was zero to way. seven. So three was one, well, two. No, three. you had to pick a side. Yeah, you have to pick a side. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to pick a side. Wait. No. No, that's not true because you could be zero or seven. So you could be in the middle. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, is that even true? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, yeah. four. No, you had to pick a side. Yeah. What? Because three is a little more left, yeah, four is a little more right. Yeah, if it was right. one to oh, seven. Oh, it's because it's it wasn't one to seven. Yeah, that's if it was right. one to seven, it'd be fine. Yeah. Um, Dang. How many times you attend church? <laughs> that's brutal. And then it goes to like, are you sexist? Is essentially what I'm calling the next section. <laughs> um, basically like, are there professions that are more suitable for men? Uh, does it bother me more to see a woman who's pushy than a man who's pushy? The initiative of courtship should come from the man. Like, wait, now you can, like, where are these questions coming from? Because now, like, it doesn't have anything to do with the original issue. And then, you know, it goes into worldview and morals. Um, like, this country would have fewer problems if there were more emphasis on traditional family values. The newer lifestyles are contributing to the breakdown of society. And then it goes to, these are the most confusing questions to me. Because, like, those questions, like, it was, like, asking where you stood. And it was, like, strongly disagree to strongly agree. And in the middle was, like, neither agree or disagree. Um, these, it made you pick one or the other if you were answering and it was like, what's more important for a child to have, obedience or self-reliance? And it's like, why can't why can't they have both? Which I guess obedience and self-reliance I, you can kind of see. I understand. But then it was like that there's like psychological. Mm, you can kind of see obedience or self-reliance. Like those they're asking are at least which close. they're asking which is more important. So I can it's understand. Just, with every question, it's very but obvious now, what they're trying to. But now get. this one's yeah. curiosity yeah. or good manners. They're very pointed questions. And it's right. like so they want you to say. Okay, I'm not getting any further. Yeah, well, but like curiosity, <laughs> good manners. It's it, the can, tough part is like I feel like most parents would want their kid to be have a good imagination and be curious, right? And they would also want their it's kid a, to it's be. It's definitely good a trap question, but I understand which conclusion they're going to draw from your answer. Exactly, mm-hmm. but it's it's because like the next one's considered or well behaved. And I also yeah. get which I also understand what they're going to draw from that. Exactly, one. Yes. but I'm saying like. A lot of these questions. Every question feel, is basically the same question, repeated in different ways. There was a lot of speculation online as well that they're what some PGA members were assuming, and you can see where they would get this assumption. Is basically they're like, I feel as though if you answer pages three on a certain way, then your answers to these first pages are going to be thrown out because yes. it's basically going to be yeah, like they're just well, giving themselves. Obviously, well, these people are I would, sexist, giving the excuse blah, blah, people to blah, say, blah. oh well, of course they think would, that because they think that because they're I, sexist. I would like to say I, thought, I would like to say that this is this survey is going to be reviewed by an institutional review board allegedly. So no, it, it was pre-reviewed. It was pre-reviewed. It gets, it gets approved. So the results, the results are going straight to the PDGA. Yeah. So that okay. Okay. Yeah. No, it was pre-reviewed. Forget by that. It. Basically, the questions were approved by an institutional review board to make this like a board certified thing. But because um, then there's like how far do you agree or disagree? And there's more political. The majority of it was political, essentially. Which yeah. what I think is essentially it was more to me like you were saying like the PDGA. Most of it was just like a demographic. How I took it is the PDGA most of the time never wants to be the bad guy in any situation. They always want to paint themselves in the light of the hero and stuff. So how I took it is they wanted to just know 
their audience well, so fairness, that they could paint themselves in, fairness, in whatever light. In fairness, the PDGA is supposed to be represented by the people. So if their motive was, this is how our, this is where our most of our demographic is, we should align with them. I suppose that is, you know, kind of the right track. Well, no, I don't think I that's their motive, though. Because well, we is not supposed to be represented by the people. They are, but as the people, we vote in board of, dire- board of directors. Yeah. Similarly to you vote in politicians and representatives that take that, like, when we vote to that board of directors, we are entrusting you, the people we vote for, to make these decisions. Well, the problem, but the nominees, we have nothing to do with the nominees, though. Like, there's not a very long process to get to the people we have to vote on. So it's still, it's pretty constricted. It's pretty bottlenecked. Like, they give us, like, 10 people to choose from. But how do you get to those 10 people? There's no primary. I have no, I I never. I feel like you can just throw your name in the hat. Then who picks them? No one. We do. We vote. I think only but 10 they, people. No, they post like they post a certain amount of people. Yeah, but I think like if I wrote, I could write to him and be like, "Hey, I want to run for board of director this year," and then I would just be one of the nominees. Is I'm almost simple? positive. I'm okay, almost positive. Okay. I, maybe I don't know the process very well. Um, but. but regardless, I still think when it comes to this topic, transgenders and FPO, asking the masses of people who have opinions, and majority of those opinions are based on feelings. Yeah. Both sides, no, majority of it is based on feelings. Yeah. Asking those people, hey, how do you feel about this? And then making a decision that's going to affect the FPO field, however you think it might affect it, one way or the other, this decision will affect the FPO field. Basing it on a p- feelings of or people's opinions of the masses, not the way to do it. Well, yeah, it's because not, like this is a scientific decision. Right. It's not so that you it, look at the stats and be like, yeah. The question the PGA essentially in my head has to ask is we are placing in place some form of standard that player A has to meet this form of standard to be able to play in FPO. Yeah. What should be is scientifically, does this standard make it where there's not an advantage when player A gets to FPO? Right. That should yeah. be the only thing well, this decision is until based you on. Ha- until you have that, there will always be a counter argument. Until you finally have the trump card, this is our research, it is. it has been proven... And this is why we're making this decision. And until you have that to base your decision off of, because um, right now that's what, what they're I'm trying saying is to. Like, no matter what, there's going to be a counter argument. You could have all the, you could have all the backing in the world, and someone's going to be upset. Well, no, some, yeah, somebody will be upset either way. I'm just saying, like, if you don't even have that, you really have a weak. You, you're gonna have well, a that's weak like, argument. Up to this point, I was chill with it until last week when we got that. E- when we saw the email where it's like there's not really anything because then other people were like well if the, if you switch from MPO and FPO you do have to submit you know how easy it is to create a PDGA account under a different name under a different name so which easy. you would be under like of like that's the easiest thing okay ever. yeah I have to just start to, playing to, to you just play start playing in a different state nobody would ever know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and or just go straight to the pro tour yeah and like like and so that that argument I understand it but it's kind of null because yeah. like, it's like I could go create a new PDGA account right now I wanted to go right from like pro to am or whatever, because like my I have a pro status right now. I've accepted cash. I could just create another profile. Yeah, obviously you'd be cheating to do that. Yeah, but you'd also be cheating to not meet the standards right. the PDJ put out there. It's so not like, that hard. But it's relying on integrity. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah. So you can see where if enough money's on the line, and someone's sitting there just like, dang, like I don't even have to meet these standards to sign up. Like, yeah, because we're talking about a lot of money. Remember, like remember those dollar amounts we were talking about earlier that players have won. Yeah. This is no longer like. Oh, they're gonna take a few thousand bucks playing local events. No, you can get to the highest stage and make a good living. So that's what I'm saying is like this decision shouldn't be something that's made on feelings of the majority, wherever the majority falls, one way or the other. This decision should not be made on those feelings of your body. This should be made 
purely on stats. And it sounds like the medical committee knows that. So then it raises the question of what's the motive behind this survey? That's Which is the question I'm asking. Yeah, well, like, I, that's why I was starting to feel like... What was the point of the survey if, like, if we know now the medical committee has come out and basically said, yeah. like, we already got everything we need to... Well, maybe the medical committee didn't agree with... Well, the medical the committee the is place. recommending to the board of directors, this is what we think how the policy should happen, and then the board of directors is the people who actually make the rules to put right. the policy into place. So the medical committee, though, is basically, they're not making the final decision, but they're getting all the information, and they're like, we're not, we're not using the survey. We're using science. Mm-hmm. So then it's just the board of directors going to be like, okay, well, whatever the medical committee says, who cares? Let's look at the survey. Or like, what kind I, of background does the medical committee have on the PDGA? I don't know. I know at least the person who posted on Instagram is a doctor. I would, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then follow all of that up surrounding everything with the survey. And the dude that sent it out is the dude that was the jerk move comment and said Paige was getting roasted behind the scenes last year. What is that dude still doing in the PDGA? Yeah. He verbally came after two touring pros on a podcast last year. And then and the only reason was because he's stepping down as the board of directors president. And so the PDGA was like, well, what are we going to do? He's stepping down, blah, 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 blah. And then this guy's still in a position of enough power to put together this survey and send it out to every PDGA member. Yeah. Like he still holds that much power of the PDGA. And I saw him at USDGC. He was out walking. Walking around there, like, it, and not as a fan, like he was with the PDGA walking around there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that the fact that the PDGA lets like has someone that high up, the president of the board of directors at the time, talk about the face of FPO, Paige Pierce, at yeah. the time, and literally only reason that he didn't like Paige Pierce was because she called them out on their crap they were doing at USWDGC last year, and was like, mm-hmm. guys, like you wouldn't do this if it was MPO. Hello, wake up. And he was like, well, she got roasted behind the scenes though. Like, yeah, I know, I know publicly it didn't seem like, but behind, which, what's behind the scenes? The board of directors is what this, like, this guy's talking yeah. about the PDJ and he's like, he's got roast, and he's still involved enough? Yeah. Like, to me, that shows the PDJ is like, all right, well, like, he'll step down, but he can have, like, this, like, background role, and it's important enough role that yeah. we'll trust him to put mm-hmm. together this survey and send it out to every single PDGA member. So, the P- like, the medical committee is mostly MDs. The chair is Seth Muncy, who's got, a, I think he's got an exercise science degree, which, it's not a doctor, but it's that's relevant. It's medical, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's that's relevant to certainly this situation. Like exercise science would, would be a big part of it. So I'd be curious to talk with them and just see like where what they're where they're at and like what they think. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna just read what the um, this whole thing is just gonna keep unraveling. Like this is it, they, the PDJ almost seems like sometimes it seems like they just want to make it go away. It's not gonna go away. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to really put your foot down publicly uh, so this multiple is what times. The, um, so, like, I don't know. This is how the survey was presented. Dear Valued PDGA member, on Wednesday, October 5th, PDGA members will receive an email with a link to a survey that is part of a university research study and has been approved by Institutional Review Bo- Institutional Review Board. With the results from the survey, the researchers hope to learn more about transgender people's participation in sport. I felt like that was, like, two questions. Okay, so that... Thing. That doesn't uh, that doesn't imply that they're going to use that to make it a does decision. Not. Uh, well, it just is a, the fact that every PDJ member was kind of like getting it implies that like they hope to learn. You can see where people were drawing that conclusion. It sounds like it was a study for a university. But why was it sent to every PDGA member? Because that was the, I don't know. And it says the summary. Oh, this is the second part. Sorry, this well, is part. An easy the summary audience. results of the survey may be used to inform PDJ policies. Mm. I think the timing of it is the most questionable thing there. Because, like, yeah, it, it's not unreasonable that a university would be curious about the subject and and want 
um, think, oh, the PDGA members would be a great, you know, um, control, like a great group to use for the study. But the timing of everything that's been going on. Well, and it do, it straight up says it's go, it may be used to inform PDGA policies. Well, there you go. Which, like, to me, again, goes back to you don't, uh, the opinion of the masses should not matter to this. It doesn't matter. Oh, well. Uh, there's, this, there's a survey. There was some obvious outrage as, I mean, duh, we'll towards see, it we'll see if from anything the PDJ members. In the off season. I'll be very curious. They're supposed to make their decision come January. I think they're supposed to, like, going into next season, they're supposed to have an updated policy on transgender people's participation in FPO, whatever that policy means. Um, hopefully, a good place to start would be that it's actually checked. That's a good That's a good starting point. Let's start there and kind of move from there. Um, because I thought that I thought we were there. Um, and then, yeah, we'll just see what comes of it all. I'm curious if they're ever going to like let this information public, like the survey results at all. Like probably not. Probably not. I mean, they don't, they don't yeah. have to by any means, you know, we voluntarily took the survey, so it's not like we're owed that information. Um, but I'd be curious to see it. I think everyone would be who wouldn't be. Um, but yeah. There it is. That's Griplock for this week. Tomorrow we'll have a preview of the Pro Tour Championship, and that should be a great time. Nevin, Nevin Park, the official end of the season, is you know next Monday will be the last recap show we do of the year. Sad. There's some Silver Series events going on this off season that are like wraparound events. So yep. we'll have some stuff to talk about here and there. Big money skins. Um, big money skins is the week after. You know, there, there's definitely things to talk about. And the off season episodes are my personal favorite. Yes. They're very, very entertaining. Um, I have a lot of fun doing them. And also, you never know what's going to happen move wise. Mm-hmm. You know, last yeah. off season promised to be very True. boring, and the next thing you know, Ricky. The Ricky leak happened, mm-hmm. and we became disc golf teams. Ricky leaks. That's that so electric. funny. It's like Wiki leaks, but Ricky leaks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've already we've already got some people telling us some things about this off season. I'm not going to leak any of them this year. I learned my lesson last year, but uh, things could get interesting this off season. That's all. Paul Macbeth to Mercedes. Dude, I said we weren't going to leak it. <laughs> Dang it. All right. Well, now you heard. We'll see you next week. Nope. 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 We'll see you tomorrow.